Um, I wanted, I'm in a series of sermons on the commands of Jesus, and I wanted to combine the commands of Jesus with Bibles, with Scripture, because of Gideon Sunday and the importance that God has placed upon His Word and our need to, to obey it, to follow Him, to be obedient to Him in response to that. And so John 14, 6, and then verses 15 through 21 says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. Also, henceforth you know him and have seen him. And now here's the passage, the command um, about Scripture. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be with you and will be in you. I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. And that day you'll know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Here's the verse. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. I've talked about this, when I talked about the commandments of Jesus, you have to know his commandments and you have to do them. And to the extent that you know his commandments and do them is the extent that you love him. And so if you don't know his commandments, how, how are you going to know God's commandments? It's through the Bible. It's through the Bible that the Gideons are distributing. It's through the Bible that you have at home, that you open up hopefully every day and read from it and know his commandments and familiarize yourself with his commandments. But it's not just knowing them, it's doing them. And to the extent that you know them and do them, you prove your love for him. So if either of those are lacking, if you don't have the desire to know his commandments, if you know him, if you don't have the desire to do them, then your love for God is lacking. How much do you love God? Well, let me tell you, I can measure how much you love God by your desire for his word and you're willing to obey it. Let's bow together. Father, as we come to value your word and the commandments that it contains, thank you for loving us enough to give it <coughs> and help us, Lord, to obey it, to trust you enough to know of your love, to be obedient to you as an indication of our love for you, our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> I heard the story of some twin boys uh, whose parents tried to save some money on their son's private education. They were twins, and so they sent one to school on odd days and the other to school on even days. It took the teachers about six months to figure out what they were doing. Um, I was flipping channels at home the other day, and uh, The Longest Day came up, the World War II movie, and I forgot that in World War II, the, the British actually had these little paratroopers they call Rupert. And uh, they threw them out of airplanes and as they were coming down they'd be firing firecrackers and, and the Germans just went crazy. It was uh, you know, for reconnaissance, uh, for, for sending their forces. Um, it, it just distracted them completely and they sent their forces all over the place where there weren't any real soldiers. They were just little wooden dummies that looked like paratroopers. People love to, to pull jokes and pranks on others. I, I, did you uh, see the news this week where Elton John thought he got a phone call from Vladimir Putin? 
Do you see that? It turned out to be two Russian guys who were pranksters and they somehow got Elton John's phone number and one spoke Russian and the other pretended to interpret it and they invited Elton John to a conference with Vladimir Putin. Of course, the two have absolutely nothing in common, but Elton John got real excited and announced to the world that he was going to meet Vladimir Putin until it came out he had gotten pranked. You know, sometimes fooling people can be fun, other times it can be dangerous. And, and the thing that people misunderstand that have been fooled that worries me the most of anything else is the fact that I saw a Gallup poll recently that said that 80%, 80% of Americans believe they were Christians. 80% believe they were going to heaven. Four out of five. Now, if that's true, then 80% of Americans ought to be in church worshiping God, but we know that's not the case. So where in the world are, are, is information for these 80%? Where is it coming from? I'll tell you where it's coming from. It's coming from the secular media. You turn on the television, you open up a magazine, you read the newspaper, um, you go on the internet, and you are told that being a good person is how you become a Christian, and it's how you're going to heaven. So a lot of people are just flat out being fooled. I would suggest rather than learning about how to be a Christian from television, that we actually learn it from the Bible. Because what the Bible says is completely different from what the television implies. The television implies you can be a good person and go to heaven. You can be a bad person and go to hell. Of course, 80% of Americans consider themselves to be good. And so 80% have concluded that they're going to heaven. And that's why we do faith on Tuesday nights is because we go out and we want to explain to people how you can be sure you're going to heaven and what do you understand it takes to go to heaven. And nine times out of 10, people will say you have to be good and obey the 10 commandments. And, uh, and since I'm better than my neighbor, you know, I think I'm probably going to heaven and he's probably not. That's what people believe because they get their theology from the media and not from God's word. And so I want us to look at God's word this morning and find out what it has to say about what makes a Christian, which is the title of my message this morning. What, how do you know, how can you know if you're a Christian? How can you know for sure that you're going to heaven? And if you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, I'm going to tell you real clearly before this sermon's over this morning, because it's the most important thing as a preacher I can communicate to you today or any day for that matter. Sitting in church, I heard someone say, sitting in church does not make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. It's just, it just doesn't happen by osmosis. There have to be some things that happen in your life to distinguish yourself as a Christian, to show who you are and what you believe and what you do. So how did those early Christians distinguish themselves? What set them apart? And here it is in our passage that Jesus is giving in the Gospel of John. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. So the first thing that distinguishes a Christian, the first mark of a Christian is he or she knows the way. And when I say knows the way, it's not a path. It's not a journey. Jesus said, I am the way. So knowing the way is, is, a, is a personal relationship. It took me a long time to realize that when Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, he's not talking about a way or a truth 
or a life, he is pointing to himself. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If you have me, you have the way. If you have me, Jesus says, I am, you have truth. If you have me, you have life. You know, there are a lot of people who think they're alive, but without Jesus, they are dying. They are literally dying. They might be walking around and breathing and eating and sleeping, but they are dying because Jesus says, I am life. And apart from me, there is no life. There is no truth. There is no way because he alone is the way, the truth and the life. Paul in Acts 24 is talking to Felix, the governor in Rome. And, and Felix, matter of fact, I'm going to flip over to it. Felix says, who are you and what are you doing? And Paul says, this I admit to you, Acts 24, verse 14, this I admit to you that according to the way, you might just rush, run, run past that little detail, but, G, but Paul says that he is according to the way, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law or written in the prophets. When Paul said, I am according to the way, and when Felix later says in verse 22, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, capital letters, put them off. So Paul realized he was a member of the way. Felix was familiar with the way. What was the way? It was Jesus. The way had been identified with Jesus in the early church. And so Paul says, I'm a follower of the way. Felix was familiar with the way. The way was Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. He is truth. He is life because he is the way. A Christian knows the way. And it's not a secret. It's not a journey. It's not a maze that you have to navigate through. It is a person, Jesus Christ. So a Christian is someone who's in a personal saving relationship with the way, who is Jesus. The second thing is a Christian loves others. And, that's, and I'm backing up to that in John 13, verse 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. What? If you have love one for another. How do you know if someone is a disciple of Jesus Christ? Jesus says, it's if you love each other. If you don't love each other, then you're not my disciple. Because that is a distinguishing characteristic of every Christian. How do you know that Catherine is my daughter? Well, you could say she's, she's beautiful, she's talented, she's intelligent. Well, okay, maybe she got all that from Susan, but work with me here. You kind of you get the idea. When, a person, when, when someone is born into someone's family, they begin to acquire that family's characteristics. Have you ever seen two people who've been married a long time? Have you ever noticed how when one person starts a sentence, the other one can finish it? When one person is thinking something, the other one knows what they're thinking? That's what happens. And they even start looking alike. Over time, people just acquire each other's characteristics, their thoughts, their behavior, because they spend a lot of time together. And Jesus says, if you love me, people, people will know you're my disciple. If you love by your love one for another. 
if you have love for one another. Why? Because love is a characteristic of God. And the more time we spend with God, the more of that characteristic we, we bring, we incorporate into our personalities and our behavior and our action. Just like spending time with a friend. The more friends spend time together, the more alike they become. And, and incidentally, young people, that's why your peers are so important. Because who your peers are, who your friends are, who you hang out with will influence you and affect you more than you realize. So if you spend time with somebody, you acquire their characteristics. And, and Jesus says, by this all men will know that you hang out with me, that you're my disciples, because you have begun to incorporate this characteristic called love one for another. What if I were to come up to you and say, hey, I'm a monkey. And you know, and I scratch myself a little bit and go, whoo, 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 something like, I mean, you, you'd say, first of all, you'd think I'm off my rocker because I don't look like them. You know, monkeys have long arms and they're hairy and they climb trees and all this stuff I can't do. So I can imitate a monkey. You know, I can, I can pretend that I'm a monkey, but I'm not really one. And just because I claim to be a monkey doesn't make me one. Just like people who claim to be a Christian doesn't make them one either. You can pretend to be a, a Christian. You can imitate all the behavior and characteristics of a Christian. But you're not, you're not a follower of Jesus unless you have love one for another, unless you have his commandments and do them, unless you know the way, the truth, and the life. So we have to know his commands, which is the importance of the Bible. How much do you spend time with God and his word? How much do you study his commands? If you're not doing that, then that's an indication that there might be a problem in your relationship with God. You're not loving him. You don't love him because if you love him, you're going to have his commandments. And secondly, you're going to do them. And I know I harp on this all the time, but let me tell you, when God tells you to do something, when God tells you not to do something, he has a good reason, a very good reason for doing so. It's not just a test to see, you know, some arbitrary thing that I'm going to, I'm going to tell them not to do that for no good reason, just to see if they no, it's like a parent who tells his, tells their little child, don't touch the eye of the stove because it will burn you. Don't do that. I know what will happen if you do it. I'm an adult. I've seen further than you. I know you will hurt yourself if you do that. And that's why God tells us not to do things and why he tells us to do things is because he knows the things that we need to be doing are good for us and the things that we don't need to be doing will cause us pain and harm and evil. God tells us a sin is a sin because it will hurt us because he loves you. He is your heavenly father. So obey your commandments is not only an act of love, it's an act of trust, knowing that he loves you that much that when he tells you not to do something, he's got a good reason for it. And you've got to love him enough and trust him enough to obey him. A young lady was at a party with some of her friends and they said, hey, let's go out tonight, let's party. Let's go out clubbing, you know, and get wasted. And she said, mm, no, my parents wouldn't like that. And, and her friend said, you know, they, they pushed her and they said, what do you mean? Do you think your father might hurt you? And she said, no, 
I'm afraid it might hurt him. Because when you love somebody, you don't want to hurt them. And if you love God, you're going to have his commandments and you're going to do them. So what, what if I have like a young guy who comes up to me and says, Wayne, I want to be a part of your family. So I'm going to start being smarter and better looking and more talented. You remember my family characteristics? I'm going to start doing all those things. Would that make him part of my family? No. Imitating somebody doesn't make them part of your family. Even if he could do all that, it wouldn't make him part of my family. Because once again, you can imitate Christian morals and values. And there are a lot of good people out there in the world who are doing good things, but that doesn't make them Christians. It doesn't make them Christians. Because to be a part of God's family, let me tell you what you have to do. You have to ask him. You just have to ask him. And what he will do is forgive you of your sins and adopt you. He will adopt you into his family. And that's how you become a member of his family, by accepting and admitting the fact that you're a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it says in James, if you transgress one sin, you have, are guilty of them all. Just one little sin, you're guilty of all of them. So it doesn't matter if you're a good person or not a good person. One little sin, you're guilty of them all, and you stand in need of Christ's forgiveness and love. So you admit that you're a sinner. Secondly, you believe. You tell Jesus that you believe in him, that he is God's son, and he is the only way, the truth, and the life to heaven. And when you tell Jesus you believe in him and that he died on the cross to forgive you of your sins, a miraculous transaction takes place. Because when Jesus died on the cross and you believe that he died for you and you confess that, then Jesus says, my payment on the cross is for you. I paid your penalty by professing your faith in me and believing in me. It's like a judge who's behind the bench and pronounces guilty on the plaintiff and says, you are deserving of death. And then the judge steps out from around the bench and takes the punishment on himself. That's what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross. You have to admit you're a sinner. You have to believe that Jesus is God's son and that he died for you on the cross. And thirdly, you need to confess Jesus is Lord. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved. So is that all you have to do? No, but that's the start. And once you start living for Jesus, then you have the joy and privilege of having a relationship and an abundant life that begins right here, right now on earth and continues through eternity. If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you're a Christian, you know the way, the truth, and the life. You display love for everybody and you know his commandments and do them. That distinguishes a Christian. Those are the marks of a Christian. So you can look at yourself 
and do a little self-inventory and see how much you love God by how, how well you know his commandments and how obedient you are to them. Let's bow together. Father, thank you for your faithfulness and love, for forgiving us of our sins when we were still sinners. You sent Jesus to die for us in advance and then gave us the freedom to choose to believe or not believe, to follow or not to follow, to obey or not obey. Father, I pray everyone within the sound of my voice here this morning and watching by television knows you and not because of something they saw on TV in the movies or read in a magazine about how to go to heaven by being good, but are sure that they have confessed their sins, believed in Jesus, and invited him into their hearts to be forgiven and saved. You have been faithful, you have been patient, you have been loving. Help us, Lord, spend enough time with you that we'll begin to reflect some of those same characteristics in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.